Thanks for listening to the Suncoast Church Eastbourne podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's message. For more information, visit suncoastchurch.co.uk. Inside out, and the cross works in your life. It kills off a lot of the selfishness because the old sinner man's already dead. And uh, praise God, please forgive us. Amen. Uh, just on a question of honour, I want to honour this couple this morning. Uh, stand up, guys. This is uh, Pastor Fred and Jane. He will always be a pastor because that is never taken away from you. That gift will always work. But uh, just life goes through different phases. And uh, that phase of their life where they were simply pastors of New Hope and, and before that, Pennsylvania Bay Baptist and also Salon Baptist as well. Is that right? Salon Baptist. Oh, yes. I hear good Portsmouth as well. But you know, I've been in this town now uh, for 19 years. Wow. So I, I know the scene. Uh, we've rubbed shoulders for these four churches working together and all the people in it for a long time now. So I know who's who. And you know, when I think about who has made a difference, not just to their own local church, well, you guys certainly have. Uh, you gave it up by your belief in God at all. But when I think about a couple that has done something for the entire body of Christ here in this town, I, I think of this couple. I think of People like Martin Ralph and his wife, but I think about this couple. And uh, Fred and Jane, they were the ones that got the like minded leaders group meeting, met this, this week on Thursday. And uh, to my surprise, somebody once told me who's outside the group, he says, Rob, that's a pretty important group because uh, I think there's more of you guys meeting together there than anywhere else. And that was all Fred's heart, that was all Fred's idea, it was God's heart also. And uh, I just want to say a big thanks, I just want to honor these guys. Uh, here to say a huge thanks to you for your contribution, uh, not only to your local church, but to the body of Christ as a whole here in this morning. So let's stand up and give them a big clap this Anybody have one, by the way? Yeah, one. Well, at that rate, Lord will be. 
be here for the next century. So we need to redouble our efforts in prayer. And um, yesterday, yesterday, Pastor Fred uh, and Jane were there, and uh, the pastor over at Wells, Dave and Julie, which Julie happens to be Karen's sister, they run the Wells Church. And they've done a phenomenal job, this church, at getting the favor of God uh, for the Langley Shopping Center chaplaincy. And uh, he took it over a couple of years back, and it was a bit of a bad way from what I, what I can understand. It was really just, anyway, I won't say more than that, but he's really brought some uh, reinvention into it, and God is really blessing it. So anyway, yesterday, the, the people who are involved in the street evangelism called The Turning, which we were a part of, and Pastor Fred's a part of, we all joined with Dave and Julie, Pastor Dave and Julie, up at the Langley Shopping Center. I don't know if you've been up there, it's amazing what they've done. So there we are, you know where, every, you know where the cafe is in the middle, in that big, that kind of large square area. And we we're all lined up there, there must have been about 30, maybe 30, 40, maybe more than that. And um, I kind of sang a carol and realized I wasn't making a valuable contribution that way. <laughs> and a couple of people said to Martin Ralph, you get something I can hand out. So he gave me a couple of Jesus booklets and off I went. <laughs> so I'm saying, I'm saying, Jesus, come on, who, where? And I kind of spoke to the Hong Kong couple were selling some stuff, but nothing really sparked up. And um, so I went up to the end, up to the Tesco's end of that uh, shopping center, and there was a there was a bench there with four seats in it, and three of them were occupied. I thought that's my spot. <laughs> so there's this old bloke he's leaning back like this. He must have a crook back, and a couple other guys half asleep this side. And there was a shopping trolley had to move out of the way. And I, I says, oh, I says, oh mate, can I just move this out of the way? And I'm kind of Kind of did my oh oh just sat down and we got talking and we no sooner got talking and I I noticed this old guy he's about he's got this big stooped forward with a walking stick and he he walked into Tesco's and he, and he the old guy said to me he says, he says see that old guy over there and I says yeah he says he's a hundred and three and I go a hundred and three. And he goes, yeah, I go, that's amazing. So yeah, he says, I, I know him pretty well. We had a chat about him. And, and he was, his name was Ron. He was kind of half deaf, so I, I didn't get much his way other than putting a, a, a piece of literature in his, in his hand. So and then his wife showed up. And his wife, and he explained to me, it's amazing when you sit down and God begins to work. And he, he began to tell me that he'd lost his daughter. He was 87. He'd lost his daughter, who was 57. That June, this, this June, I'm six months ago. And I, I said, oh, maybe I'm sorry to hear that. And, uh, just before I get up to leave, I, I says, can I pray with you? And he says, yeah, please pray with me. So we prayed together. And then his wife came and I, and I, I, I had a chat with her as well. And then I went back uh, to lend a hand kerosene that kind of kept going. Anyway, towards the end, towards the end uh, of the day, Dave came up to me. And he says, Rob, did you, did you meet an old guy up there? And I go, yeah. Uh, he was his name Ron. I go, yeah. He says, Ron just came up to me. He says, six months. He says, he's been hanging around our chaplaincy table. And he says, he's kind of, I thought he bottled something up. And he says, it was only this week he came and started crying and talked about the death of his daughter. And he says, he met you there. And I said, yeah, I had a good chat with him. And he says, that's marvelous. And I says, I prayed with him. And I kind of thought, wow, God, you've connected all the dots up this morning. 
the chaplaincy had been ministering to him for six months, then I just kind of ambled in that spare seat. You see, folks, God wants to give you opportunity, eh? To do that, that Saturday. Yeah, Saturday was a good Saturday, but that's what will that's what verbal stick in my mind. Anyway, that's not the end of the story. Julie and I are walking out after the whole thing's finished. And as we're walking out, I noticed this old bloke, this guy with a walking stick. And I, I hadn't spoken. So I thought, 103, this might be the last, the last gospel message you'll ever hear. So I just ambled over to him and I says, hey, mate, I says, uh, I says, do you know a bloke called Ron? And he goes, yeah, I know Ron. And uh, he goes, yeah, Ron, I, I just had a chat with him. I said, Ron reckoned you were 103 years old and he's facing it up. I said, that's amazing. And he goes, yeah, I'm feeling it a bit this morning. <laughs> and I says, I says, well, what do you put it down to? And he says, oh, I don't know. I says, has God got anything to do with it? And I'm looking at my mind is screaming for some kind of in here. And I, I said, uh, I says, has God got anything to do with it? And he says, oh, I don't know. He says, uh, he says I don't think God's ready to meet me yet. <laughs> I said to him, the question is, uh, the question is, are you ready to meet God? Are you ready to meet your Creator? And the last thing I said to him, I said, all it takes is you saying to Jesus, forgive all my sins. And he looked at me. And with that, I just walked out. I gave him a book of two, so, Father, we pray for that old bloke. I don't even know his name. 103. 103 Christmases he lived through. 103 Easter's. It didn't sound like he actually got to the bottom of it at all. And Father, we pray for that old man. Pray for Ron and his missus, Lord, that you would bless them over this Christmas period. That you bless the Langley chaplains. That you help them to speak to Ron again and his wife. And the Lord, that the, 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 the net result of yesterday would be those three people and many others a little bit further on in their journey. We pray for their salvation, Jesus, because you're the only one that can save. All you ask is that we hold out the word of life to all. And Father, and as much as we did that, we pray you bless it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, one more prayer. And Father, for this law, for us, now, this is a dangerous prayer. It really is, because if you if you jump into this prayer and say, yeah, I really want this, you'll get some action this week. So, Father, we pray, even as Paul asked the Ephesians to pray for him, that a door of opportunity would open unto him and that he would proclaim the gospel boldly as he ought to. Father, we pray for each and every one in this house this morning, that for anyone who would say, yes, Lord, open up the opportunity. And for those that didn't, change their hearts. In Jesus' name. Amen. amen. And amen. God bless you. So this morning, I, I, I just found this subject kind of crystallizing in my spirit. That's how I get messages. I just kind of, some subject, some theme, or some idea will just crystallize. And this is not something I've spoken about for a long time. Not even in a Bible school. Keep talking. Not even in a Bible school. And um, I want to speak about, for three weeks, I want to talk about the glory of God. The glory of God. And I know the Lord laid this in my heart this morning and uh, we've got a backdrop that we're going to use over these next three weeks julia says i've been looking through the internet for christmas cards oh, this thing. just leave it on okay 
I have shaved this morning, it's not that rubbing on the back of the So I said to Julia, I said, this is the subject I'm, I'll be covering. Uh, can you get a couple of images? And it struck me that this, this year, this Christmas, maybe already, many of you will have received Christmas cards or will receive Christmas cards with something like, glory to God and the highest written on them, yeah? Or, or something about peace and goodwill all men, or, or, or glory in the highest. I, we used to receive those cards every year, even before I was a Christian, we get those kind of cards. And if there is, even after my conversion, for, for years after, if there was one biblical word that used to bamboozle me, that I, I couldn't get my head around what it meaning was, how you apply it, what it was about, was the word glory. Glory. When I looked at my Bible, I, it seemed to mean, it seemed to have so many meanings, it seemed to have so many applications, and uh, I could never quite get a, a hold of it. But as time went on, I, I realized that it's very, very important that I do understand it, because we are to live for the glory of God. Amen. Uh, it's interesting, if, you, if you're aware of the, what they used to call the Westminster Catechism, you might say, what was that? Well, it was something they used to employ for new Christians or children. The children got the short version of the Westminster Catechism. And what it was, was 107 questions that the teacher would give to their pupils, either adults or otherwise, new converts or children in Sunday school. And it was a list of 107 questions that really just instilled within them the doctrine of the Church of England, yeah? Of the Presbyterian Church is another one. So every week, these, the, 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 the students would come and the teacher would approach it this way. They would ask them a question. And the first question was this, is what is the chief aim of man. What is the chief aim of man? Now that's really important because the answer is the answer to the, the greatest philosophical questions that every generation has asked since creation is what am I here? Is there a point to life? Is there a purpose? So the Westminster Catechism, question number one, what is the chief aim of man? What is the point? What is man's purpose? Is there meaning to life? And the answer to that, the prescribed answer, and it's accurate to a T, thankfully. Straight out of the Bible from a number of places. The answer to what is the chief aim of man is, can anybody tell me? Yeah, to glorify God in your body and enjoy Him forever. To glorify God in your body and enjoy Him forever. So, if the chief aim of man is to glorify God in his body, we better get a handle on what it means to glorify God. <laughs> Are you with me? Yeah. Because if we don't get a handle on that, and we're living for something else, either our own glory, or the glory of something else, and not the glory of God, we will miss the whole point of our existence. And we've only got one life. And so many people tragically lose it. So early in life, midlife, that old man, 103 years, and he still doesn't know the glory of God. I trust that he will. The glory of God, this is what confused me. Can I just, because the Bible speaks of giving glory to God. It speaks of the glory of God. Of 
glorifying God, of, get this, of going to glory, and it does. So, so it's a place. Can you see how I was getting confused? And then, for those of you that were alive and functioning in the early years of the charismatic move, was anybody there about 30, 40 years ago? You might remember, or maybe you've kind of frequented Pentecostal service. You might remember in some of the meetings, especially the praise and worship, all of a sudden somebody would just shout, Glory! <laughs> if you happen to be in a black church, it was, Glory! <laughs> and if you're there uninitiated, you're thinking, what's that about? <laughs> what's that about? Glory! <laughs> Although, what are they feeling? Man, what are they doing? Why are they shouting out? Why is nobody telling them off? <laughs> I just couldn't get my head around that. So it's got so many different meanings and applications where we, we, the Bible speaks of the glory cloud in the Old Testament. Yeah, It speaks of the, 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 the glory cloud that used to follow them. And we're told, obviously, to glorify God, as we just outlined in the Westminster Catechism, to glorify God in their body. So, so this word glory, it's, it's a noun, it's a verb, and in its, in its accurate form, glorious, it's all three. Wow, no wonder I was confused. Anybody else slightly confused? And, and not only that, it's not just about the glory of God. The Bible... The Bible actually says that the stars have a glory. That the very stars have a glory, one of you know, different from each other. It talks about there's the glory of men. And it also, believe it or not, even talks about the glory of pastors in the books of in the book of Psalms. So it's a, it's a pretty interesting subject. But it's a kind of for me, maybe I was just plain thick, but for me. I didn't clear this up for the first five years. And I, I had a, a knowledge of the doctrine of justification by faith uh, and, and, and many of the other doctrines. I, I just still didn't have a handle on what the glory of God was. But we better find out, lest we miss the whole point of our existence. Would you agree with that? So let's just have a look at a few more sample texts, which hopefully won't add to the confusion, but show you the multiplicity of its application. And don't project these guys, so I'm just going to wrap them off. Exodus, and these are all from Exodus, the first three. Exodus 16.10, it says this, And it came to pass as Aaron, this is in the Old Testament, they've come out of Egypt, they're now going through the wilderness here, and Aaron is the high priest. And it came as Aaron spoke unto the whole congregation of the children of Israel, all three million of them, that they looked toward the wilderness, and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. So there was a cloud, but then the glory appeared. And for those of you, you want to do a little bit more research in this, you'll no doubt come across the term the Shekinah glory. The Shekinah glory. And that was the, it indicated the presence of God, that God was there. And the Shekinah glory would appear in that old thing called the Ark of the Covenant. Who's seen the movie Raiders of the Lost Ark? If, you, if I have kind of anchored you there in that, that term, the Ark of the Covenant was a precious, precious box overlaid in gold. It was highly significant of the, the presence of God in the worship of Old Testament Israel. And this special box, they put it in this, this special area called the holiest of all, the Holy of Holies. And 
Only one person got to go in there once per year, the high priest once per year, to sanctify the place with, a, uh, with blood and, and with anointing to make atonement for the nation's sins. And he would go in there and between the cherubim, which were basically, if you can imagine, two angelic figures and their wings touched at the top and the box was here. But in the middle, in this space here, there was this eerie blue light. But the Shekinah glory of God, I, I, the best way, I, 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 the best illustration I can give you is, has anybody ever watched somebody with an arc well? You, that, that blinding white light that's got a bluish tinge, that I think is the closest that we will see in nature, maybe even lightning, but in nature to the Shekinah glory of God. I'm going to leave you with a takeaway at the end of this. I hope it will blow your mind, all right? But just bear that in mind, that the Shekinah glory of God, and that only one man ever got to see it once per year, but it indicated the presence of God. So we see here in this passage, Exodus 16.10, that the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. So the cloud must have kind of either brightened up or there was some aspect of it that, uh, that appeared. Then in Exodus 24, verse 16, it says, And the glory of the Lord abode, or it, it settled down upon Mount Sinai. This is when Moses and, and God were doing some dealings and, uh, and uh, the Ten Commandments were going to be given. And the glory of the Lord abode upon Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it for six days. It was a fearsome sight, the Bible tells us. a fearsome sight. So we see that the, the glory cloud, it appeared, it abode. Exodus 29, 43. Uh, it says, God speaking, and there I will meet with the children of Israel. Where? And the tabernacle, this, this special rectangular tent with two compartments that God commanded Moses to make, that God could come in his Shekinah glory, and settle into that holy of holies, and live in the midst of his people, yeah? So he wasn't up the mountain somewhere, he was right there, smack in the middle of the nation of Israel, in the special tent. And it says, and the tabernacle shall be sanctified by my glory. So we see this glory sanctifying something, amen? So I hope you all realize that we're in the New Testament, and all of this still applies, Amen? God don't live in a tent anymore. Well, not a canvas one. But our body in the Bible is described as a tent. It says if our tent is uprooted, we go to God in glory. Amen. But God doesn't live in tents or temples anymore. Because the Bible tells us that the church and each individual believer, the Bible tells us that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Now, let that dawn on you. If we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, guess what? The glory that we've just seen, the glory that was in that mountain, the, gl the, the glory that appeared in the cloud, and as we'll see, the glory that shone out of Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration, showing who he really was more than a man, that that glory has moved into you. The glory of God has taken up residence in you. Wow! Think about that. Think about that. Wow! Isn't that amazing? That's if you've given your life to Christ. If you've opened up your heart to Him. You've been born again. And God moves in. Amen. So for all those thoughts 
that come from time to time, especially in stressful times, that God is a million miles away. No, he's actually about 37 years away here. Isn't that amazing? I also want to take you to an episode in Moses' life that happened a little bit later on. In Exodus 33, verses 18 to 23, let's read this together. It says here, they've been having a bit of a conversation. And the, 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 back, the back story to this is Moses has said to God, you, you need, you've got to come with me. He said, I can't lead these people to the promised land I'm just paraphrasing this. Unless you come with me. And God says, yeah, I'll go with you. That's a backstory. And then Moses said, I beseech you. Now, beseeching isn't just a casual request. Beseeching is like, please. I beseech you, show me your glory. Show me your glory. And God said, I will make all my goodness pass before you. So can you see the connection between God's glory and his goodness. Moses says, let me see your glory. God says, you're going to see my goodness. I will, I will make all my goodness pass before you. And I will proclaim my name, the Lord. So that the, the name of the Lord is part of his glory. That's why we talk about glorify the name of the Lord. For I will be gracious to whom I'll be gracious. And I will show mercy and loving kindness on whom I will show mercy and loving kindness. But he said, you cannot see my face, for no man shall see me and live. Basically, man is sinful, a lot more than we think, and God is 100% pure and holy. And there's something about God's holiness, there's something about his righteousness, something about his glory that human beings can't touch lightly. Do you hear what I'm saying? In the Old Testament you read of people being killed by the glory of God because they were just so casual about it. You remember Uzziah just steadied the ark as it was brought back. They've been captured. It comes back. You remember Uzziah, the, the, the oxen that were on that were driving this cart, they stumbled a bit and the ark rocked and he, he just casually reached out his hand to steady it and instantly dropped dead. Was it God that struck him down? You know, if you if you go out to the local power station here, the local substation, and you ignore all the signs about 33,000 volts and you just grab that, guess what's going to happen? You're going to get electrocuted. And you see, when it comes to our relationship with God, mankind is, is, is simple to degrees when we've been in it so long. So many generations just steeped in sin and cut off from God. We just don't understand what holiness is. You become a Christian, you get an understanding, and the Holy Spirit works out in you. And you look back over 10, 20, 30 years and you think, wow, look at the wretch that I was. <laughs> Thank God for amazing grace. But there's a long way to go, you know, in terms of God working that out. So God is holy, man is sinful, and it's like, that's why God says, nobody's going to see my face, my actual face, and live. But God says, okay, he says, what I'm going to do, I'm going to put you beside me, and you're going to stand upon the rock, or a cleft in the rock. So God was going to get ready to go past. Then he picks up Moses, he says, I'm going to pick you up, I'm going to put you here. 
okay? And when I'm going past, I'm going to put my hand on your eyeballs so you can't see me as I'm going past, but as I'm past you, I'm going to lift my hand off and you'll see me from behind. You'll see my glory. And while my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft of the rock and cover you in my hand until I pass by. And then I will take away my hand and you shall see uh, my back, but my face shall not be seen. What an amazing experience! What an amazing experience! I can understand him having that much access to God. The Bible says that God spoke with Moses face to face in his little tent, his little two-man tent. Isn't that incredible? Wow! But God wanted more than that. God's always desired an intimate relationship with people. And that tent wasn't good enough for him. Then he moved out of the tent into a temple. One time he left it, you remember? Ezekiel says that the glory of God just lifted off because of the sin. That happens to Christians, you know what I mean? They just pass apart from God. They don't think about Him anymore. They stop reading their Bible. And that glory that used to be there, that, that those signs of the life of God, the, the grace that was upon them, it just fades. And they just become like who they used to be. It's like the light goes down and fades to black again. But thank God there's always a way back. Amen for a Christian. As long as we haven't renounced him and renounced their faith, there's always a way back for a Christian. Say, God, sorry. Sorry, Lord. Sorry, Lord. I lost my way. I'm kind of lost. Bring me back. And isn't it amazing how God so rapidly turns the candle power up again? <laughs> isn't it good living in the candle power? <laughs> isn't it great when the glory of God is shining through you again? Hey? Marvelous. So Moses had this awesome, awesome experience. But friend, you and I can experience the glory of God. You and I can experience it. And it doesn't mean you're going to see anything. Although maybe in an an unusual outpouring of the Holy Spirit, you've seen something. You might have some encounters of the God kind. I was telling the, the team meeting this morning, I've only ever seen that cloud once. I don't even know whether to tell you. But uh, no, I won't. But it's a fearsome experience, I have to say. It's a joyous experience. But when that cloud moved through that room, it was a visceral feeling I had as well as a thought. I thought, I am lucky to be alive. I watched it coming through the wall. The moon was back in the early 90s and that outdoor. And, and then everybody just instantly sobered up. Just everybody was just like nobody batted an eyelid. Nobody dared move because it's like God was there. That cloud revealed his presence. And he moved so slowly through that room. And when it had gone out, nobody talked for about 20 minutes. And then I remember thinking, I'm still alive. That was, and it wasn't like a doctrinal thing in my head. It was just that was the I'm still alive. And then my next thought was, and it was a thought, wow, the blood of Jesus has really done a good job in cleansing me. That <laughs> I could see that and live, that that God would consider us fit and proper company that particular Thursday night. We had those revival meetings back. That's the one and only time I ever saw. The, what we call the glory cloud. And 
that was the feelings it produced in me. When we talk about such things, friends, we are on very holy ground. But what I'm talking about is extremely sacred. It shouldn't be joked about. It shouldn't be facetious about. We are talking about something so sacred. But the truth of it is, as I said before, that glory now resides in us. Amen. Why? And I'll just finish with this on the I have to drop something here. How many of you know Psalm 24 asks a question? The question is, who is this King of Glory? You sang it this morning, actually. Who is the King of Glory? There's a King of Glory. And it finishes up that Psalm. It finishes up by saying, who is he, this King of Glory? The Lord Almighty is the King of Glory. How many of you know Jesus Christ? Oh, lost the battery. Is the King of Glory. And I want to show you that from the book of Hebrews. Hebrews 1.3. Let's just have a look at this. Speaking of Christ. More than just a man. More than just a historical figure. God. Born a baby. Those Christmases ago. Grew up. Lived a sinless life. Died on the cross. Buried for three days. Raised from the dead. Up there right now, as the King of all kings, the Lord of all lords, loving you, amen, helping you, steering and guiding you, shepherding you, providing for you, adopting you, healing you. That's what Jesus is right now. And what does the book of Hebrews say about him? He is the soul, notice that, soul. Not all religions link to God. We tend to just, if we don't do Jesus, we tend to make it up as we go along. Although I know some Christians make that as we go along too. He is the sole expression of the glory of God. Wow! The light being, the outraying or radiance of the divine. And He is the perfect imprint and the very image of God's nature, upholding and maintaining and guiding and propelling the universe, the whole universe, by his mighty word of powers. So King Jim puts it, the word of his powers, a subtle difference here. By his mighty word of power, when he had, by offering himself on the cross, accomplished our cleansing of sins and witness of guilt, and it goes on. But what I would like you to see there, well, he sat down at the right hand of the divine majesty on after his resurrection. Wow. So this is our Jesus. This is our Jesus. This is Christ. And he lives in your heart. Wow. Can I just read to you quickly Colossians 1.27? We might have that one. Colossians 1 27. To whom God was pleased, that's to us, to whom God was pleased to make known how great for the Gentiles, however, oh, that's a non Jew, that's all about, to make known how great for the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, the gospel, which is Christ within and among you, the hope of realizing the glory. And that's not just going to glory, folks. 
That's about realizing the glory of God inside of you. The little bit by little bit, you manifest the glory of God and His character and His nature and His love and His smile and His unconditional acceptance. Hello? Which is Christ within and among you. The hope of realizing the glory. Oh, friend, you might be down now. You might be grumpy now. But Christ is in you. <laughs> and His Word is powerful. And if He can uphold the whole universe by the Word of His power, keeping all of those nucleus, nu atomic nuclei together, the electrons and the, and, and the protons, and He keeps the whole thing together because He created it. You hear what I'm saying? He created it. Don't you think if He can create all the universe, He can help you a bit? Problem is, we've got a will of our own. Amen. We've got a will of our own. Last scripture, 2 Corinthians 4, verses 6 through 7. I love this. I love this. For God who said, Let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts so we can know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. And we now, let me say now, we now, if you're a Christian, we now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars, because we're made from dust, aren't we? Fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. You put your hand in it. Think about it. Christ in you, the hope of glory, this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God and not from ourselves. Our great power. Do you hear that? Oh, I just feel so big. Jesus is here. The Holy Spirit is here. The reason we're going to do 
glorify God like this joy does. I like celebration does. Are you ready? One, two, three. Wonderful, wonderful week. And look for those opportunities.